If you want to get stuff done, then you have come to the right place. This is the Get Stuff Done podcast, brought to you in association with RDI Worldwide, a weekly interview series with prominent and diverse people from around the world who will share their own unique insights on what it takes to get stuff done and their personal strategies for doing so. My name is Gordon Dudley, the creator of the Get Stuff Done project and host of this podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you enjoy this episode and would love to hear your feedback anytime. Let's get stuff done. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Get Stuff Done podcast with me, Gordon Dudley. It's great to be back for another episode, and we have a fantastic guest once again to talk to you about their experiences on getting stuff done. So today, I'm really happy to introduce to you Travis Bennett, someone who is originally from Australia, who's now currently based in Singapore, and is the COO of Doer's Circle. And we're going to be hearing about his experiences, both as, uh, as a business owner, but also as a uh, startup executive, um, and the journey that he's been on across multiple countries, uh, overseas, um, since the multiple years that uh, we have known each other. So a very warm welcome, Travis. Thanks. Thanks, Gordon. I'm super happy to be here and I'm super happy to share and hopefully inspire all, all the listeners out there on uh, how we can get stuff done together. Excellent. And, you know, I, I'm really especially glad that uh, you agreed to come on because actually prior to us launching this podcast, we were already talking about this project when it was kind of in its infancy, mm-hmm. what, you know, what it might be, how it might kind of evolve. And, you know, it seems uh, now that we have launched that, the, you know, the podcast is really a key foundation um, of the Get Stuff Done project. And so it's great that mm-hmm. uh, you've decided or you've uh, said yes to be able to come on and, and discuss with us, because I think you have some interesting perspectives on it. No, I'm super. I'm super happy to support and, and also to share. Um, I think when you're when you're building stuff like this, um, whether it's yourself, your idea or one of your friend's ideas, uh, the more support you can give, uh, it, it always helps. It gives them new ideas, new inspiration, new insights, things that maybe they didn't think about them themselves. Um, and it ends up being better because of that. So the more the more sharing and the more people that can share and, and give back, it, it just helps each other as you as you grow and figure out what you're what you're working on and what you want to do. So let's let's age ourselves. Um, let's let's let everybody. <laughs> That's know a loaded question. <laughs> how old we are when we think about where and when we first met? That was, of course, I guess uh, maybe end of two thousand seven, beginning of two thousand eight, and, yeah. and not in your country or my country or either of the countries that we're now living in, but actually in Denmark. How did how did that yeah. come about? For me, I, I'd been backpacking. And once I returned to Australia, I realized I needed a, a real job um, and okay. a job that would allow me to, to travel. Um, I, I found Maersk uh, quite interesting because they had a, a traineeship program where you could get together with a few hundred other students from all over the world, all working for Maersk. Um, and they brought us together every six months for, for training um, in, in Copenhagen. Which training was, in every sense uh, of the word, I think, just to, just to kind of interject there right yeah yeah there was there was a uh, formal training in in classrooms with with teachers there was a lot of networking and connections formed 
behind the scenes, I actually met my wife at one of these, these modules, which also got me to my, my journey here today. Um, and, and, and of course, friends, friends like yourself who have gone on to do some pretty inspiring stuff as, as well. Sorry. And how to drink 10 coffees a day, I think also, uh, was, was one thing that I learned there. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe that's yeah. the roots of my, my coffee addictions today, but no, uh, you, you're yeah. absolutely right. Um, staying, staying productive in a very intense two week period of, of classes and extracurriculars. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And, um, how long did you did you continue to to stay with that organization? Where whereabouts did you did you work uh, with them? Sure. Um, so after um, throughout the traineeship, I was in Brisbane and Sydney in Australia. Um, then I got the chance to expat. Um, of course, uh, I chose Thailand because that was where my my girlfriend at the time was based. Um, moved to Thailand in uh, two thousand nine. I stayed there for a little while. Um, I took a stint to Denmark to work at the corporate office. I quickly realized that Danish winter wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, went back to Thailand um, with Lazada. Um, so I worked for them for a while, um, doing their BI and intelligence reporting. Then started my own company, uh, worked for myself for the better part of eight years, um, working from Thailand and uh, where I set up my company, working remotely from Myanmar because we were there for my, my wife's work and I ran my business from, from on location. Um, and then when we came to Singapore, I was looking for, for something else because I'd been consulting and, and building B2B marketing strategies for, for a long time. Um, and, and I wanted to kind of be part of something that was going to impact more than just 10 clients a, a year kind of, kind of thing. Um, and that mm -hmm. was what, um, when I was looking at how to get started and how to start my business in Singapore, I came across to a circle. Um, and we can talk more about it later, but, but it actually had solved a lot of the problems I had when I was trying to figure out how do I do business in, in a country like Singapore. Um, and, and that to me, kind of had an aha moment of, well, I'd suffered with this problem. I know a lot of my friends who'd started businesses had suffered with this problem. And if I know more than 10 people who are probably suffering through the same problem, maybe they're onto something with, with this startup. And that was what got me excited about joining. Um, but I kind of, one, one thing that we like to refer to ourselves, and I think this resonated with me is we call ourselves doers, right? Because all you've got all these independent doers around the world, which is why it's doers circle. We want to bring all these people together. Um, but I've always identified myself as, as one of those persons. Like I can, I can learn this or I can figure this out. I can do it myself. Uh, and I like to think that I can do an okay job when I, when I try to. And I think that's driven my career. It's driven my change to, to working for myself and figuring out how to, how to do that. Um, as I'm sure you experienced starting a, starting a company in a place like Korea isn't for the faint of heart. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I would fully agree with what you said about yourself um, as being a person who, who, who you know, classifies himself as a doer. I, I, I felt that, um, you know, way back when, when, when we were working um, for the for the same company, and I think that's why our paths next crossed. Actually, when you were running your own business, I had recently yeah. set up uh, my business RDI here in Korea. And at that time, you helped us to, um, well, I think we, we had a website, but it yeah. was, uh, let's say, uh, <laughs> not quite what we wanted it to be and definitely not a really good representation of, of us. And you took it to another level. You helped us uh, really um, elevate that, that website, um, the, the yeah. company website that we had at the time and, and also ongoing support as well. And I think that, you know, that, you know, we've, we've been more in touch since then. So uh, our lives kind of like post-Mersk, 
Um, you, of course, continue to have a, a, still a strong connection uh, through your wife uh, to, to Maersk. And, um, and it was great when we had a chance to meet um, a couple of months ago in, in Singapore and re reconnect for oh, me definitely. with, with the, the former Maersk employees, although former for myself, but still many of them still, still working there, which I think is a, a great testament to the company uh, because there is really no such, such thing as a job for life. But, but I think um, Maersk, I think, is one of the companies that, um, at least for me, from that training program did... At, you know, at least it, it talked about the values and tried yeah. to um, to to kind of espouse the values. Of course, no company can can fully live the values one hundred percent of the time, um, especially with with such a large organization like that. But you'd set up your own business. Talk me through how how naturally that came to you. Whether it was a kind of like a moment you felt this is what I've got to do, or was it was it something that you always had? In the back of your mind that you wanted to do how, how did that kind of come about I, I think if i reflect on it i've always thought of myself as a high achiever i think is probably the best way to, to describe that i wouldn't say i am a high achiever um compared to some of the people out there that have done some pretty remarkable things but i, I like to think of myself that i am and and when i was in Maersk, i was dreaming of you know how how do i become C, ceo of, of Maersk, right like that was that was the goal then um and then i i also realized that there's there's challenges in a large organization to actually get to that that path. You know, less um, from from the Mizey program, they sell you the dream, they sell you the the leadership um, that you can grow into. Um, but but I also realized that there was small chances of of that being a you know an Australian from basically the the bottom of the world working with a Danish company. I had a lot of factors working against me in that regard, and not to say that you can't grow to be that. But I, I saw that that being a very long path um, for, for me, and I, I wanted to accelerate that. And that was when I said, okay, what's what's more fast-paced than a traditional business? And I said, okay, then that's definitely a startup. So I joined Lazada, which at that time was that, that raised about 20 million. Um, so it was very early stages for, for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw the, the pace that, that they were uh, working at. Um, I also saw the, the opposite of um, a company like Maersk, where people stay for a long time. Um, and they, there's quite a bit of turnover, um, but that also led to opportunities um, in, in a company like that. Um, but seeing the inner workings of, of that company, um, but they raised money, they, they've made at this point, I think that there were 15 or 16 startups that Rocket Internet had launched. Um, I, I realized that there was a lot of things behind the scenes that could be working better. Um, and my background was kind of in strategy and planning and, and how, do you, how do you fix things? Um, and there was a lot in Lazada that I saw wasn't working. When it, when it should have been. Um, and then it got me thinking that if this is a Lazada, if this is a company that has so much money behind it to do things the right way, that, but they're because of speed and, and execution going to market, that maybe they haven't put that in. What about all the business owners? What, what about all the other people who maybe don't even have the resources to allocate to, to this? And that was when I had an idea of, you know what, maybe I could, I, I could do that for people. Um, so I started freelancing for myself uh, i was writing uh, blog content at the start then i realized that the the real thing that moves the needle for the business isn't the isn't the blog but it's actually the, the website and the sales pages and, and that kind of that professional image that they need so then i got a team together and i started building websites for small businesses and upgrading that and that was when when we worked together um and and that progressed into doing more copywriting and more sales focused pages on on how to actually sell a product how do you how do you push someone who maybe hasn't heard about your business and what they do? 
How do you get them excited enough to pick up the phone and call you or set up a meeting or purchase your product? Um, and, and I studied a lot about the B2B marketing kind of psychology. Um, and then I worked with a lot of SaaS companies. I, I set up some partnerships with other agencies who needed an expert on this because I, I like to think that I'm quite creative. Um, and, and I had a lot of fun creating some really, I, I don't want to say weird marketing campaigns, but they're definitely not traditional marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were sending packages to large SaaS, uh, from large SaaS companies to their target accounts, trying to get their sales reps booked in with meetings in the, in the C-suite. And that was quite a fun uh, quite a fun period because I had to, I got to basically control my hours, control my work. I got to choose my clients. I got to have a lot of freedom on my projects. And I think I'd, until this point, I realized I'd, I'd always been missing that. You know, when you work okay. in a company, you get told what to do. But but for myself, I wanted to I wanted to kind of dictate that on on my own terms. Okay. Um, but, but it is a tough transition. Right. And so a question on the transition: stepping out of big corporate into what essentially was then starting from nothing, right? What, yeah. what was it that you had to change, like in, in your kind of mantra of getting stuff done, right? You know, in your work ethic, yeah. in your in your personal like organization, what, what was the biggest change that you had to make in order to make sure yeah. that you could can you know make progress and, and be successful at that? I, I I think it comes down to like to the, I mean the funniest example is the, the first months where, where I was out of work and I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I could watch Netflix and, and I relaxed a bit. I went to the gym quite a lot. And, and then I got to the end of the month and I, I kind of ran through my P&L and I looked at it and I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> you know, they, and, and that was the moment for me where I kind of realized like you've only got so many hours to put food on the table. Right. And, and every, every minute that you spend every, every, hour needs to be optimized. Is it growing your business? Is it solving a process? Is it selling a client? Um, and, and that was the point where I kind of realized that if I wanted to make this a, a go, if I wanted to be successful, I would need to actually work at being successful. I couldn't pretend to be a startup founder. I actually had to learn and, and figure things out. So I did a lot of things like I had a, had a calendar with all the things that I needed to do up on my wall for a while. And I was using that. I've, I've used to do lists and and all these things that the thing that I still like is sitting down in a morning and I have a notebook and, and they tease me about it even now in, in doer circle, because I take notes of everything, mm-hmm. um, what I want to do in the day. Um, and then I get very much a, a lot of satisfaction as I cross it out that it's been, it's been actioned. Okay. Um, and then notes from, from all the meetings and stuff like that. So it's almost like a, like a history of past meetings and, and all this, and that helps me stay on top of things. And we're talking um, handwritten but, notes here. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're talking handwritten notes. There's a, um, I'm just, I'm just looking to see if it's near, it's, it's in there, but there's a, now there's, there's comments on everything from like, how are we tackling this marketing problem to, you know, what are we doing with the strategy for the business? Um, I probably should keep better eyes on that book and not let it get into the wrong hands. <laughs> but um, it, it became almost a game for me. I, I challenged myself to, increase my income every month. Um, and that helped me to do things that a lot of freelancers and, and contractors weren't willing to do, which is like raise their prices um, sure. or push back on clients that weren't the right fit. Um, you know, it got to a point where I was referring people who came to me to other people because what I was best at and where I made the most impact for a business, um, you can't be a jack of all trades. You need sure. to be the best at your, your specific thing. Um, and I, and I think, just my competitive nature of like, I wanted to prove that I was doing this to myself, you know, to my family, to my wife was, was a very powerful motivator for, for me. 
you mentioned about about how you consider yourself you know, a, a high achiever. And is that is that then something that you're also very kind of like conscious of? Like, is it something that's always kind of with you in terms of when you when you're working and, and, and getting stuff done? Is it something that you're always trying to do more? Like, like it's never enough. Like, how, how does that kind of manifest itself on a daily basis with your kind of like work life balance? No, no, of course. And that you know, when when I was consulting, I definitely had more work and less life as a, as a balance. Right. And, and, you know, when you're billing by the hour, you know, if you can book 10 hours instead of six hours, you know, you look at that and you say, well, that's an extra like six or $700 in your bank account for the day. You don't know how next month or the three months down the line is going to go. So you push yourself hard. Sure. Um, what I realized is that if you're not enjoying the money that you earn, then why are you working so hard for that as well? Like, of course you need to, set yourself up for the future. You need to be hitting your targets and, and all of that. But, but there's a point where your quality of life goes down and also the quality of your, of your work. Um, and I was working far too much. I think when I was in the very early days of working for myself, um, and I started looking very hard on if, if a project was a certain budget and it took a certain amount of hours, I would actually track those hours and then I would work out like, Hey, I've been earning 20 bucks an hour doing this particular project because I gave a friend's rate or it was too low or, or something like that. You know, is it worth my time to be doing this or should I be charging more or should I have said no to this project? And that kind of framed mm -hmm. the evolution of my agency. Um, mm -hmm. And I think now one of the things that I'm, I'm quite good at, because I have two daughters, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old daughter, um, is the start of the day figuring out what is reasonable to get done in a day. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I think I, I learned when you're billing by the hour, you learn to get very effective, you know, like stuff that sending an invoice doesn't get you paid. So you send it in a minute instead of 30 minutes playing with the fonts and the formatting and, and all of this. So I learned to be very, very efficient in what I do, um, which mm -hmm. means that I feel like I actually am very effective in, in getting stuff done, but, but there's a limit to, what a single human can do in a given work period and, and understanding that if I push myself too hard, then I get burned out, then I slow down the next day at work. So you, you need to be reasonable with yourself um, and, and also what you do in your, your downtime, um, mm -hmm. making sure you do things like going to the gym. Um, I like going boxing and doing Muay Thai in, in my downtime. I get there twice a week, which is quite nice. Um, and that also helps you reset and, you know, something that maybe you were stressed about in the morning because there was a client problem or some sort of issue, getting your mind off it was something that's like so incredibly uh, demanding physically is, is a very good way to switch your brain out of work mode into rest mode or, or downtime. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. I appreciate it's, it's super hard for people to do um, when there's a million things for your startup or your business that you should be doing. How do you, how do you turn off at seven o'clock at night and eat dinner with your wife, you know? Yeah, yeah. This the switching off part is, I think, only people who run their own business truly understand what that what that yeah. means. Because um, you're never off. You can you can have, a, you know, a never ending to do list of work. You can be super busy, but whether you have switched off, you know, and and gone home, but it's still there is another level yep. when it when it's your own thing so then then after a number of years you you decided to to transition into something a bit more structured 
into the startup um, field, and that's that's where you are now with with Do a Circle. So, so how has that transition been um, with regards to you know organization and and now the work that you're doing? Um, tell me a bit about that. Sure, we we're a super small team, so, so we're at ten people now, um, and I think. Because of that, it's given me almost like my own startup whilst without having a lot of the things that I didn't know about startups because I, I, I had a small business before. I was, I was bootstrap funded, I made money, I had a business, I was incorporated, all of those things, but I wasn't out raising VC money. I, I wasn't out setting up massive partnerships. I was basically doing, doing the work. Um, and the things that I like about joining a, a company like this is I have a CEO who has a lot of experience in, in Asia. She's from Denmark, um, but her, her vision for the company is something that I believe that she will actually get it done. Um, and, and if anyone could, could kind of push the transformation that we, that we want to see, it's, it's someone like, like her. Mm. Um, I think being the, the number two in the company is, is also good for, for my role because I get to have a lot of say in a lot of the decisions. Um, whilst also having someone with a bit more experience than me um, questioning, you know, hey, is this the right choice? Have you thought mm -hmm. about this? And maybe going a level deeper than I wouldn't have realized alone. Um, so I like that it feels like my startup, but I also have the support of, of not being 100% alone, which is what I had been for, for quite a while. I think having the right people around you when you're, when you're working on a project or, or doing something it, it definitely helps keep you on track and, and it helps you see things that maybe you've got your kind of like your blinders on because this yeah. is what you know. They, they open your mind up to things that you, you maybe didn't realize or you didn't, hadn't thought about from, from that angle. Yeah. Um, and I think the, that's something that I'm, I'm quite enjoying now as, as being part of a, a bigger team. Um, and instead of just being the boss telling the staff, you know, hey, do, do go out and, and do this or execute on this. It's more of a, um, like a democracy of, hey, how are we going to make this business work? How are we going to grow more users? Um, and I have a lot of say in that, which is um, also why I enjoy the, the role quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when we were together in, in Singapore and we, we stopped by, um, you know, your office space um, where, where you have uh, some colleagues, but also some of the, the do a circle community. And, and it was just nice to, to just step in and, and, you know, see some people at work and, and have those kind of like colleagues there. And I think, yeah, you're right. There's, there's, there's that balance between, you know, starting a startup versus being in a startup, uh, which is just starting versus a startup that is funded and has already a pathway and, and is going somewhere and has already some scale. I think that they're all very different um, stages and they all have very different kind of characteristics from work. Um, so tell me now about a time when you were, when you failed to get stuff done, when you had a misstep, you know, maybe something that maybe, maybe at the time you didn't even realize, but maybe kind of like with hindsight, which is of course always lovely to have looking back, you think, I wish I'd done that differently. Like, what, what would that be um, for you in, in, in your professional career? Yeah, I think there's a, you're never going to smooth sail, right? You're, you're always going to have learnings. You're always going to have obstacles. Um, we were joking about it actually the other day at, at work that being in a startup is actually like your job is to break down the next barrier. And then you've broken that down, but then there's another barrier and breaking that down and then breaking down the one after that. And 
the, the startups who succeed are the ones who can actually go and, and just continually break down these barriers yet remain positive and remain hopeful that you know, everything that you're doing is, is kind of like a step forward in, in the right direction. But I think the, the biggest learning I would say from, from my career has been, you need to trust your gut on things because deep down, you know what's right or wrong. You, you might, you, if you have a bad feeling about hire, if you have a, a niggle in the back of your head about a particular client, you know, I, I have a couple of examples from when I was building websites and, and doing this where clients seem like dream accounts, right? They had a lot of money to spend. They, they wanted the world and my team could deliver on that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, it, it felt off that it was like there's something wrong or there's going to be too much work or the expectations aren't, aren't super aligned. Mm -hmm. And, and that ultimately always led to, to problems. So sometimes I was smart enough to, to withdraw myself from the, you know, the, 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 the scoping process as we work out and say, Hey, look, you know, and, and further thought, we're probably not the right agency for you. Mm -hmm. Other times I, I wasn't smart enough. I, I just looked at the dollar signs that this was going to bring in. Um, and when I talked before about, you know, I've spent 40 hours on this project and maybe it was a nice price tag, but you break it down and you're like, Hey, this, this equates to $10 an hour for the amount of effort and time and pain mm -hmm. that you shouldn't have accepted that in the first place. And right. when I, when I reflect, I knew that I knew in my gut that these people weren't aligned with me. They, they, they were looking for somebody that they could. I don't want to say exploit, but, but they, they were looking for someone who they could, they could tell these are the 10 things I want, but really there's a hundred things that they want. They just didn't ever told you at the start. Right, but then when right, you start right. the project, it's, it's very hard to keep that scope and to keep your client happy. Yeah. Um, so I think if, if I could do something different and going back, I would, I would advise you like when something doesn't feel right, walk away it's it's easier to to walk away and maybe there's a little bit of awkwardness or something and mm. i mean that even goes to uh, we, we were recently traveling in in india and when you're in a new country you don't know the food you don't know the places but we 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 follow that even in our personal lives if you walk into a restaurant and something feels weird or it's off or uh you don't get a good vibe just leave and, and find somewhere better. Um, and, and that I think translates to, to yeah. your work, to your clients. Um, and, and so that, that would be my advice. Sure. Is, no, I, I, I totally hear you and it, it, the, the power of saying no, which, which, as you say, intuitively, um, especially when you're starting out or, or if you're like less experienced, always, um, you know, you want to say yes. Right. I mean, on the one hand, the Richard Branson school of business is, uh, take the offer, say yes, and then work out how you're gonna do it as you go along. Yeah. At the same time, I think it, you, we have to finesse that a little bit and say that, that there is a, a lot of strength um, in saying no, um, because even like in, in you know, RDI side of business, um, you know, a company approaches us um, on, on a search mandate, they're looking for a certain kind of person, it's not within um, our you know, expertise, um, could we do the search? Well, we could definitely say we can do the search and we can kind of like uh, get going on it, but, but probably not going to be successful on it and then end up with, with, with a kind of like subpar result. However, say no, this is not within our expertise. Sometime go, goes by, they come back to us with exactly what it is that we are an expert in because we've told them that and we, we, you know, we complete that project absolutely way above expectations 
um, it's, yeah. it's a much better result uh, in the end, um, as you say, because um, there isn't time wasted on, on both sides. So I think that's a really, a really um, strong point. And I guess anybody who is who doesn't have 15 years uh, plus uh, work experience is wondering, well, how can I, how can I develop that quicker um, to, to, no. to, to do that? But um, you know, maybe that's, that's a topic uh, for, a, for another time. In terms of kind of getting stuff done, I mean, I think um, there is a certain mentality around that. And I think um, Do A Circle embodies that. I also want to say, I love the branding of Do A Circle yeah. and, and, you know, maybe people can see some similarities in the, in the vivid color schemes of, of Get Stuff Done and Project and also Do A Circle, which, which is something that, that I'm, you know, personally um, ha have developed. Um, beyond work though, and, and you know, maybe um, uh, this is, you know, something that we, we kind of didn't necessarily expect to talk about, but I feel that you also are a really good example of a working dad and also a you know, dual working uh, parent family as well. Tell us a little bit about how you've been able to, to build that uh, balance um, and, and you know, maybe why you think that's important and some, some kind of perspectives on that side of things. Yeah, I mean, I think I would go crazy if I wasn't working. Um, it's maybe part of the, the my mindset, the, the psychology that that makes me up. Um, I think it's also my my wife would, would echo the same thing. Um, maybe that's why we all got into the the, the traineeship program at, at Merce because they knew that these are the people who are driven to succeed and, and they're not going to be happy in, until they do. So I, I, I don't ever see myself in a period of, of not working. Um, I did take a break after Maersk. Um, so I spent six months playing Muay Thai and relaxing in, in Thailand, which was fun for a period. But then also, you know, it's it's back to... That was before you, you kids. You want to do something with your life. Maybe I should call No, that's before kids. No, no, yeah. So, yeah, I, after kids, I think it's, you know, you want to set a good example for them in the way that you live your life, like in terms of values, but it, but also in terms of they, they're going to grow up and reflect like what, what you did, right? And, and both my wife and I, we are incredibly hard workers. Um, so whether that's late calls or, or making sure that stuff always gets done, um, they see that. But I think it's also important to take time out for, for them. So we have some routines set up like on a, on a Friday night, we, we do this thing called Morocco because our kids don't get screen time unless they're, unless they're doing tutoring. They, they don't get to watch cartoons or anything during the week. But Friday night, it's a free-for-all. We put mattresses on the floor. They can choose whatever movie they, they want. They can stay up late. Um, and it makes this kind of special family time around that. Mm -hmm. And I think the... The key for us, I mean, one of the nice things about Singapore is we get a lot of help. Um, so we have a live-in helper here um, and she helps with a lot of the household stuff, which means that, you know, we, we can focus more on work. And then the time that we spend with our kids is a lot more quality time mm -hmm. because we aren't having a lot of the, um, uh, you know, we have a helper. So there's the chores and stuff like that, um, that she, she helps take care of there too. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, the goal is, at least for me, is to like, when you're doing something, you're, you're on in that. So if I'm working, I'm very focused and I'm, I'm getting my work done. I'm not doom scrolling on, on Instagram. I'm actually getting what needs to be done, done so that I can finish. And then I can go to the gym. Um, you know, I take my daughter boxing with me. She goes rock climbing with, uh, with my wife when, when she goes rock climbing. The youngest one, we, um, she's a bit young for some of these activities still, but we still go out and we skateboard and we ride bikes and we make sure that, Yes, 
we're, we're very dedicated to work, but the time that you put into the family also needs to be quality. It's not that we're all sitting there and just playing on our phones and answering emails and not talking to each other as well, which can be a habit that's very easy to fall into when there's, you know, a never ending yeah. stream of emails coming in. Yeah. Sure. Did, did yeah. that answer? Was it, was that? Yeah, no, I think, I think a lot of people, um, you know, work-life balance is, is the, yeah. the commonly used word, but I don't like balance because that suggests that it's one or the other. I much prefer yeah. work-life integration, which yeah. is finding the right uh, ways to manage within a family. Um, I think it's like the great example you gave of that, that Friday night kind of family time, yeah. um, which, you know, it's, it's partially about about scheduling it and, and kind of almost yeah. like formalizing it. Um, but it's also about just finding the, the right um, ways that, that work on an individual you know, family basis um, according to, to case, uh, case by case. And I just think that, you know, we do still as a society think that the work comes first um, mm -hmm. and, and people often feel kind of trapped by, by their work. Um, and, and I do have a lot of people in my network who, you know, they, they tell me that they um, don't see their kids uh, Monday through Friday. Now they might do the best they can on the weekends and dedicate all their time. But the reality is that they're probably pretty tired from, from working so intensively, uh, you know, for, for Monday to Friday right through. Plus, yeah. you know, I, I know through my own kids' eyes that, that um, a day is a long time. For us as adults, days, weeks, months um, pass by, and we always say how quickly time is passing, but that's not the same for, for kids. So I think that definitely um, re remembering that, um, you know, it's about the moderation of, of, of a reasonable amount to get done, like you said in your, your daily plan. Um, how much can we yep. reasonably get done whilst at the same time making sure that our, our children are also getting um, as, as much as they deserve um, from us? which I think, it, 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 I guess I um, hope that there can be more flexibility um, from, from companies and, and from workplaces um, to, to aid that, I guess. And, and I think the world is shifting, right? When you look at the, the future of work trends, people are consulting instead of taking a full-time job and companies want consultants to come in and, and do a project instead of having a full-time staffer that once the project's finished, they, they don't know what to do with. But um, the, the world is, is definitely changing, right? Like people are demanding a different way to, to work. Um, and that's also why, you know, when, when people ask me about Doer Circle, like, why did you join? Um, one of the things that we're working on is a way for companies to look after their flexible talent uh, a little bit better, right? Because 10 years ago, everyone was talking about, hey, you know, you want to be the employer of choice. You know, Google built the Googleplex and, gave everyone food and massages and no one ever wanted to, to leave. And they never saw their kids Monday to Friday because they were, they were working um, throughout the, the week. The, the world now is, is very much different. Um, and, and we wanna kind of help manage this transition and help the companies who maybe don't know how to deal with these flexible workers. We wanna give them a platform, a way to, to, to tap into this workforce and to also get the best possible people out of the workforce because um, I guess you probably see this in recruitment, but 
the best talent they they can demand whatever terms they they want right if if they're the number one in their field um companies are going to be bending over backwards to to help them and in the old days that was a big salary and a nice car and you know whatever now it's flexible work and you know the remote uh, remote work maybe it's a contract basis so that they can take on other jobs and and augment their their income through through other ways um, and do a circle is something that that can actually help this and i think when when companies realize this and and we actually finish building what we've been working on with the the enterprise platform it's going to be super interesting to see how the the trend shifts um because it's half the global workforce like 48% of the world is self-employed in in some shape or or fashion right and that's people demanding things a new and a different way um there's no more uh job for life right you know you're not going to be employed by mersk for yeah. forever and i think it's you know, it's also great to see the way the technology is facilitating that right i mean it's about specialization it's about people doing what they are relatively best at which i think is the the most ancient of adam smith economics theory right the specialization um and, and yeah. technology allows uh, you to do that and that's what i guess i'm trying to do also um in, in my company as i um take on uh, team members um you know, project uh, consultants and, and, you know, freelancers, but also building the tech stack, which um, takes away the stuff which we are not uh, relatively good at. Let, let that very specialized and expert in that area do that um, so that we can focus on what, what we do best, which I think is, um, you know, a, a very nice kind of full circle on, on getting stuff done. So I think on that note, um, you know, we can we can wrap up and I, I just want to say a massive thank you to Travis for being with us uh, for this episode of the Get Stuff Done podcast. I think uh, also a big thank you to everybody um, who's listening. Uh, it's great to see uh, with every episode us uh, building um, a bigger audience. Um, if you can do anything, uh, please do subscribe to uh, whatever platform uh, you are listening to or watching this podcast on and share it with your network. That would be the, uh, the greatest favor that you could do so that we can help more people um, listen to the podcast and uh, also understand about getting stuff done. So Travis, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. No, thank you. And I would also just like to interject just, just one last part. If, if you are looking at starting your business, if, if you are needing help, to figure things out don't don't just go it alone you know there's there's people out there who've been there before um and i can speak from from walking in those shoes it it's tough you don't even know what what you don't know um so there are platforms like getting stuff done is a super good example and, and thank you to gordon for for allowing me to to share my my experience with with everyone um but doer circle is also a free service um you can check us out um you can get connected to me if you sign up you'll get a bunch of emails from from me and if you have any questions or if there's anything that i can help or support you on with your idea or, or with how you can take your your idea forward that'll get you my email and and you can you can ask away because you don't have to go with this alone you don't have to get stuff done alone and like we say do a circle like we're all independent but we're here together so so let's be independent together and let's help more startups and more businesses and more freelancers succeed because that's that's our vision is that nine out of ten businesses currently fail and they shouldn't right there's there's so much experience out there there's so many people who can help 
let's let's connect those people together so thank you for allowing me to to share and to be part of this platform um and i'm super happy to connect with with everyone i'm sure there's going to be links to to me in the show notes um but i also i just want to reiterate that, that we're open and we're here to help thank you travis thanks everybody and see you again next time on the get stuff done podcast Thank you for listening to the Get Stuff Done podcast. If you would like to be a guest in the future, please do reach out. Or if you would like to recommend someone, that would be awesome as well. Make sure you keep listening as we will be bringing you fresh insights every week because getting stuff done is something everyone needs.